the memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red blood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, the winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Prukop to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans, from CU at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the CU at the Game website, and your host for the CU at the Game podcast. We're getting closer to the start of spring practices, which means that Brad Geiger and Neil Langland will be back with me soon as we give you a unit-by-unit look at the CU spring roster. In the meantime, however, we continue with our CU at the Game NIL campaign with an interview with senior tight end Brady Russell. Since arriving on campus in 2017, Russell has risen through the ranks to be one of the most important and most popular buffs on the team. A walk-on, Russell nonetheless distinguished himself even as a true freshman, earning the Offensive Scout Team Player of the Year in his first season. He has been the recipient of the team's Relentless Award, and was a team captain last fall. So, what did an assistant coach at Wyoming tell Russell when he was being recruited that Brady continues to use as motivation to this day? What can we take away from Brady's candid remarks about the players who left through the transfer portal, his opinions on the explosion of NIL opportunities at other schools, and on the current state of the CU locker room? How excited is Russell to be playing for a position coach in Clay Patterson, who also happens to be the new passing game coordinator? And what is the inside joke in the tight ends room about a pinky high five? Let's find out. Okay, and we're back, and we're with senior tight end. Brady Russell, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Well, not too bad. You had a long day. We were just talking about that a little bit beforehand. This was the day of uh, CU's pro timing day. You got to see some of your classmates, some of your uh, friends on the team go through the the drills. How was how was that for you to watch them do all the testing and timing? Oh, it was a lot of fun. It was uh, it was cool seeing especially coming in with um, Carson and Nate, uh, seeing the progress they've made and getting some of the numbers they wanted to. They both had pretty good days. They were two people. Us three all kind of pushed each other all the way through. So uh, while they're doing their pro day right now, it's fun watching them succeed and then thinking that I'll get to do same thing next year, hopefully. Yeah. So what did you learn? What did you pick up in terms of uh, what's the best way to get through pro day? Uh, I don't know if I learned so much about the best way to get through it, but I've noticed one thing I tell myself is 
every time I watch any sort of testing, whether it's 40s or shuttle, I don't know if I've ever seen somebody happy at the end of it. They always seem mad at themselves. And one thing I've said, no matter the time, unless it's really, really bad or something, I want to be pleased with what I do. Because at the end of the day, you're putting in all this work to do all these drills and succeed and everything. You shouldn't be mad with the outcome, you know? So good. Well, good philosophy of life altogether. So going back, you know, talk about the guys you came in with, you've been through a lot at the university of Colorado, getting to the 2022 season. Looking back, you were part of the, well, I can't even say recruiting class of 2017 because you were not, uh, you were a walk-on. And most uh, Buff fans probably don't remember that since you're such a fan favorite and been such an integral part of the team for the last five years that you were actually a walk-on. You were living in Fort Collins at the time. You were a senior, um, senior year in Fort Collins. Yes, sir. I went to Fossil Ridge High School up there. So. Okay. And looks like from your body, you were born in Camp Pendleton. So probably how long were you in Fort Collins before uh, – you graduated. Were you there for all of high school or? I was there for all of high school. I hopped around a little bit. Um, I moved there when I was six. Prior to that, though, like you said, I was born in Camp Pendleton in uh, San Diego, California, pretty much anyways. And then when I was six weeks old, we moved to Florida, Pensacola, um, and then I believe Arkansas, and then Kansas, and then Boulder, and then Fort Collins. But that was all in about five years. Okay, so most of your your wonder years, your growing years were in, in Fort Collins. Yes, sir. Um, so you mentioned, you know, you walked on at CU. What was recruiting like for you? Were you looking at other schools? Were other offers out there? What led you to, to Boulder? To be honest, right off the bat, I didn't necessarily want to come to CU just in terms of school and um, the area. I kind of wanted to go somewhere new and do something different and do my own thing. But to, well, I guess to start it all off, all I could really get out of high school were division one, double a offers. So it was like Northern Colorado. Um, Weber state wanted me to come some of the Montana schools, schools like that, uh, South Dakota, but being probably looking back too arrogant, which I'm really happy with my decision now is a little too arrogant and young and stubborn. So I didn't even accept their offers. Really. I told them, no, I could play at a higher level. So then I was looking at walking on at either Wyoming or CSU or CU. And it ended up coming down to, I wanted to go to Wyoming, but they wanted me to play defensive tackle. Um, They wanted me to be 300 pound dude, which I didn't think I could hold very well. And I said I'd play three technique for you. I'd play defensive tackle if you give me a scholarship. But if you're making me walk on, I don't want to walk on there. And they said, no, we want you to come walk on. So I was like, all right, well, I'm not coming to Wyoming. And one of the statements that kind of sticks with me to this day that I try to – I still use it as motivation. Uh, the, the defensive ends coach and outside linebackers coach at Wyoming told me I was too slow to play defensive end in the, in the Mountain West. So that kind of put a chip on my shoulder right there. And then CSU wanted me to play defensive end, play five techniques. So play against the offensive tackle, be about 270, 280. Um, And CU said either outside linebacker or tight end. And that seemed right up my alley. All I'd ever really done was D-line and outside linebacker. I barely played tight end in high school. Oh, okay. 
But I got here and tight end seemed like the best place on the team to take advantage of the opportunities and try to earn a scholarship. So that's what I went for. Okay. A lot of Buff fans of a certain age will remember your uncle, uh, Matt Russell, who won the Butkus Award in 1996 as a Buff. Did he have any influence on you trying to persuade you to come to Boulder? Um, You know, people would probably like to think that he was pushing me to come to see you and really wanted me here. And don't get me wrong, I'm sure there was that side of him that wanted his nephew here and it'd be cool to live on the legacy, but he really just wanted me to do what made me happy at the end of the day. So I'm sure he was happy that that decision was to see you, though. Okay, well, very good. Well, this was back in the pre-COVID days. You actually had a redshirt year. So you were coming in after the 2016 season, the 10-win season. So things were looking good for the University of Colorado at that time. Even though you were a walk-on and redshirting, you still managed to get an award. You were the scout, offensive scout player of the year in 2017. What does it take to be the offensive scout player of the year? You know, it. I mean, it takes a lot of effort. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of guys working hard out there. But at the end of the day, that's about all it takes is effort and being willing to step into any role. There was days that, uh, we didn't have enough linemen, so I was playing right guard and pulling and 235 pounds, pulling and hitting our defensive end. Like, <laughs> things like that are going and I mean, making plays and stuff is important, too. You have to have that ability. But at the end of the day, the majority of its effort and when your scout team kickoff, being the first one down the field, when you're running to another special teams that you don't really want to do because, you know, you aren't going to play on Saturday that week anyways be the first one there. It's all, all those things add up. So great. So your redshirt <laughs> freshman year was 2018, which you got to play in every game, 12 games, you got actually three starts as a, a redshirt freshman. That was the last year of Mike McIntyre and his coaching staff. CU fans, we've been waiting for a long time. It seems like to get a tight end that's going to be a feature in the offense, and Mike McIntyre came from San Jose State, had an All-American tight end, you know, that he's, you know, at San Jose State that he sent to the pros. Were you thinking that uh, the tight end position was going to be a featured thing under Mike McIntyre, or were you just trying to get on the field? I didn't know much about his past. To be honest, you saying that he had an All-American at San Jose State was news to me. Okay. Um, So I didn't even know that, and I really wasn't thinking about – the reps I was going to get and the time I was going to get and what I was going to get to do. I just wanted to get on the field, but a little side note, that's kind of funny. The tight ends that were here at the time, cause there's always little inside jokes and whatnot. The inside jokes for tight ends was like a high five, but with your pinkies because sign language, this is I, I, yeah. And they had it stand for irrelevant because we never got the ball and we never got to do anything. <laughs> and hey, when they told me that freshman year as a walk-on, I was like, I wanna I'm gonna make I'm gonna be the one to change that. We're not gonna be doing irrelevant anymore. Okay. So that was kind of a mission of mine once I got here. Okay. Well, and that was a, a good segue into your sophomore year. Now you're with Mel Tucker as the head coach. Played all games at 11 starts, the 23 catches, which doesn't sound like you know, a, a great grand total, except for the fact that it was more than tight end position it had the last three years combined coming into that season. So you were making the tight end position relevant under Mel Tucker. 
what was the transition from the Mike McIntyre year to the Mel Tucker year? And then we'll segue into your third coaching staff in three years, Carl Durrell. What is it? How hard is it to be a player that goes from, you know, goes through three head coaches in three seasons? Um, you know, you'd think that'd be weird, a weird thing to experience, but I experienced three and four seasons in high school. So I was kind of used to the change, but that change under Tucker was exciting him coming from a big SEC school and whatnot and having the assurance that I was going to start getting the ball more and being in with Jay Johnson coming more of a pro style offense. And I did love that offense. I thought it was awesome. Uh, I would have liked to have gotten more looks and everything, but I was just a redshirt sophomore, I guess that would be sophomore. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the change was fun. The, the staff was exciting. I was really excited about working with them. It was fun going into the off season, seeing where they were taking us. So I guess I don't have a ton on the 2019 season. It was fun being an integral part and actually essentially starting 12 games that year and being the man on offense or not on offense, but in the tight end room. Right. Uh, I think it was really good experience for me, but when he, when he left, that was definitely a shock and the locker room definitely needed some rocks like uh, Nate, like myself, like people that they could put their weight on and count to keep pushing forward. So, yeah. Well, in that season, you, you know, adding to your list of awards, you, you probably got the most uh, varied list of awards I think I've ever seen. You've got the relentless award. Do you remember that? Do you remember what that meant or what they, you know, was involved in being the awarded the relentless award in 2019? Yes, sir. I uh, still have that one hanging in my room, actually. Okay. So you actually got, you got an award on that one. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, that was the award for the most relentless attitude, relentless effort, relentless pursuit of greatness, relentless doing every task you can at the best of your ability. And really just being a hard-nosed dude, which I think that's kind of just how I was raised. So I didn't know how to do it any differently. So, Very good. Well, that led us into the, the COVID year. You were preseason All-Pac-12, some of the publications and things like that from the media. And started out well. The first game, UCLA, five catches with 77 yards, led the team. And, you know, these are Dave, Dave Platty-isms. You can't get these anyplace else on the planet other than somebody like Dave Platty that it was the most receptions by a tight end since 2012, most yards by a tight end in a game since 2012, most in a home game since 2007, all sorts of things were going well. It looked like even though it's an abbreviated season, the UCLA game was a, was a fun one for you. How excited were you for the abbreviated 2020 season after the the UCLA game that UCLA game got me really excited because it felt like I finally had a a grip in the offense and like I was going to be a very integral tool and get to be the player that I've kind of always known I could be if given the opportunity which is such a big thing is just getting the opportunity to do those things so yeah that game I was ecstatic I was through the roof I was I didn't want to dwell too much on the success and let it get to my head. But at the same time, I knew where that could take me if it continued through the season. But obviously it was cut short very yeah. quickly. 
So the very next game on the road, Palo Alto, you're hurt in the Stanford game, even, you know, very early in the Stanford game, even walk us through, you know, what happened and what it was like to not be able to play. Yeah. Not being able to play was absolutely miserable. So I guess first series of the game, we went three and out second series. I'm over there. We're trying to get all, everybody's trying to get excited, fired up to go and, and make something happen on the field. And we run a, um, split zone play. So split zone, the whole offensive line zones to the right. I'm cut. I'm slicing back behind them towards the left. And I block the defensive end. I continue to try to block him downfield um, and sustain it. And one of their defensive tackles, one of Stanford's defensive tackles misses the, uh, he has a missed tackle and he falls right on the outside of my leg and just tore about everything in my ankle. Wow. Um, yeah. So that put it into things real quick. Yeah. You knew it right when it happened. This wasn't just a normal rolling of the ankle. This was something that you're, was pretty serious. Yeah. It, definitely. Yeah. That was about the most pain I've probably ever felt it. Uh, he fell and there was just a big pop and I tried to stand up and I couldn't put weight on it right at first. And then, I mean, you could see in the TV copy, most people probably miss this, but I start hopping on one leg off the field and I start trying to crawl and I'm three-legged bear crawling. And it was a tough situation for sure. Not, not where I wanted to be, but Hey, obstacles are put there for a reason. So, yeah. So that push into last year, I don't remember, did you have much in the spring or are you still on the sidelines for, for spring last year? Um, so it was actually kind of a weird deal. I had the surgery November 20th. So six days after the Stanford game, I went, shoot, let's see. I, I was supposed to potentially make it back if we went to a bowl game. Okay. So I'm trying, trying, trying to push and get back for the bowl game. And I kept saying, like, I, something doesn't feel right. I feel like I should be farther along. Like structurally, something doesn't feel right with my ankle. Um, in the recovery that was originally supposed to be at the top end, eight weeks, turns into 16 weeks, turns into 20 weeks, and it just keeps getting prolonged. And I was never 100%. I got to participate some in spring ball. But, yeah, that ankle injury just kept inching along and along and along to the point where fall camp going into the 2021 season, I find out that there's a bone spur in there. And that's where the issues have been coming from all along. And that's why all the issues kept getting prolonged. So. Okay. But you made it back onto the field for the 2021 season, a reboot of your junior year, if, as it would be. And probably not too many Buff fans remember this. You actually led the team in receptions last year in yards. Only the third time in 30 years that a tight end has done that. You probably knew that, Nate. I actually didn't know that. You didn't know that. Okay. Along with being – this we were joking about earlier that you didn't know that you got the award for the uh, the best interview from the media. So, <laughs> yeah, congratulations on that, even though it's, you know, been several months since they actually put it in the in the game notes. But, uh, yeah, Daniel Graham, Ryer Gear, and all the way back to John Embry in 1984, the last three – tight ends to lead the team in receptions for a season. So you're in pretty good company uh, when it comes to uh, 
tight ends in CU history. You were a team captain. It's been kind of weird how team captain has been selected over the years. You know, to start of the season, it looked like there was going to be different team captains, and then seemed like for the majority of the year there were team captains, and you were one of the four team captains the rest of the season. How did that unfold? Who chose the captains? What did it mean to be a captain? What was it like for you 2021 being a, a team captain? Uh, it was pretty cool. It was a good experience. I think um, it kind of – I didn't like this whole idea from the start very much, but um, we have a leadership council that's voted on by our teammates, and there's probably 16 dudes in it, I think. And each week they would select who the captains were. But I didn't think that was a very – to me, that wasn't a good idea. That might just be my opinion. I don't know, because you're just rotating who people are. In reality, I think it should be your four best leaders. Right. So it turned out that way, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, about halfway through the season, when we were having trouble, they were like, all right, you guys are the captain. Or, well, the players voted. It was y'all are the captains, y'all are the leaders of this team. We need you to lead us. We need you to take us on a better path than we're on right now. So that was an interesting dynamic for sure. So was that player led or was that coaches? I mean, who was saying, you know, this isn't working. This isn't uh, playing out the way we anticipated a month ago or six weeks ago when we were in fall camp. Um, I had actually, well, I had proposed it in fall camp. I said, are you sure we don't want to get like solidified captains? I think that's useful for a team to have those leaders to go to and lean on. But then week, shoot, I don't know what week it actually was maybe five or six or seven uh, coach Durrell said what we're doing isn't working. I think either you guys can vote as a leadership count. This was just him talking to the 12 or 16 dudes or whatever it was. He said um, either y'all can vote on the captains or you can have the team vote on who the captains will be for the rest of the year. And we decided on a team vote. So it was Nate had the most votes. Then uh, I think Makai was second, and me and B. Lou both tied for third, so they gave us the last two spots. Okay. So what did it mean to you in terms of dealing with players in the locker room, in terms of dealing with perceived conflicts, or what did uh, it mean to you? What did you take upon yourself as a team captain to be that kind of a leader? Um, I'd like to think that I didn't change anything about what I was doing because I've always tried to I think the biggest part of leadership is leading by example and while leading by example isn't the only aspect I don't think you're a leader just by doing everything right I do think that's very important though so I kept doing I kept trying to do everything right I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm Jesus Christ and I do everything right but I was trying to build the blocks along the way so people can follow my footsteps and guys can take after my lead. Like when you're in practice and you're three and eight or whatever record we ended up with, like whatever it was, uh, it's not very easy to be motivated. So the biggest thing was being the guy that comes with energy every single day, being the guy that's lifting up his teammates, that's encouraging, that's holding them accountable to the standards we set forth. I think that was the biggest part of being a team captain is, is the consistency of it. So. Okay. Well, how has it been the, the carryover? There's been a lot of over oh, upheaval, both in the lineup and in the, the coaching staff. So how is, 
it been for an off season for you and trying to be a leader, both in the locker room and just, you know, in the weight room, whatever the case might be, um, how have the last couple of months been as there's been a lot of transition going on um, in the champion center? Uh, it's been pretty good. I've, I love the new offensive staff. It's fun having, not that we didn't have some great coaches before, but having a scheme and learning an offense that, has rhyme and reason to everything it's doing. That's been a lot of fun and I love it. And I love every part of that. And then in terms of transition with, with players and stuff, I know a lot of fans probably don't see it this way because there was some production that left, but I don't think we really had anybody, anybody leave necessarily that was integral to our success and then didn't cause any of their own issues. If that makes any sense, not, not in a bad way. Like I love a lot of the guys that left, but there was personality problems and social media Kings that were, they aren't never, they're never good for a locker room. So, and people underestimate how important that locker room uh, camaraderie is. So I don't think we're in as deep a trouble as some people might say. Um, And then I think the third thing you kind of hinted at was the leadership through all that change. Again, the biggest part was consistency. And being the same every day, not not letting the new another guy in the portal or another coach gone, not letting that affect me. And being the same, I don't know if you've heard this term, Russell Wilson's, who I heard it from, having the same neutral mindset. You're never too high, you're never too low. Okay, consistent, straight line kind of guy. So I think that was probably the biggest part. Um, this off season is. And really, since I've been here with three different staffs and multiple different offensive coaches and everything, is being that that rock, that consistent uh, piece of the foundation that never moves, is always there and is always doing what it's supposed to. Very good. Well, yeah, I've heard that from some of the other players that I've had the opportunity to interview was talking about the players that are here are the ones that want to be here kind of thing. That, uh, again, talent is what talent is, but, you know, the guys that are still on the roster are all have the, the buy-in is there. Is that, that sound like a, a familiar phrase to you? Or? Yes, sir, absolutely. It's not so much me, 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 look at me. It's more of a, we, you know, we need to be bought in. We need to do this together. There's not so much concern with how many touches we're getting or what people are liking our tweets or who's doing what or how much money we're making with NIL deals. It's more of a, a, uh, everything is together at this point. Well, I, I, I don't want to, I want to talk about your new coaches and stuff, but while you're talking about the NIL stuff, I mean, it's hard not to know about, you know, you hear the Texas offensive lineman getting $50,000 and there's a story that the, a recruit for USC has already made $350,000 you know, all this sort of stuff. And that BYU's got, you know, all their walk-on scholarships or, you know, walk-ons are going to be given scholarships. And yet at CU, it hasn't, you know, really manifested itself that way. Is there a lot of discussion in the locker room? I mean, you, you know, say, hey, did you hear about what's going on in Tennessee? Or did you hear about what this guy in Miami's doing? You know, that type of thing. Or is it just you're going about your business and it is what it is? Um, there's definitely some discussion 
it doesn't lead the way by any means. That's not most people's main concern, but most people's opinions, I guess, are, man, it would, would be nice if that was the case here at CU, if those kind of things were happening. Sure. And, I mean, it would be really nice, but at the end of the day, it's, while it's somewhat in our control, a lot of that is in control of the fans and supporters. So while we can pitch ourselves and do the best to make ourselves seem valuable at the end of the day, it's not on us. So we can't really control it. So try not, I, personally, I try not to talk about it too much and get too wrapped up in it. Right. But it is uh, something to think about for sure. Do you think it'll hurt see you in the future if there isn't uh, the T Boone Pickens, there isn't a Phil Knight, there isn't some sort of, you know, sugar daddy to try and boost the the dollars that are being funneled through the champion center in terms of recruiting. Is it going to be a real problem? You think CU and other schools are going to fall behind because of this? Um, At some point, I think it's going to start becoming an issue just because I don't think that's right now, but those bigger schools, they have all the, all the money in the world that they want to pay their athletes. And like, I mean, you were mentioning Texas giving 50,000 per or to each offensive lineman deals like that. Yeah. And if you're getting recruited and right. you know, Texas recruiting you offering you 50,000, $50,000 salary, essentially on top yeah. of your, your school. Why? I mean, why wouldn't you take that? Why you can, wouldn't you go to that school? Yeah. Um, so. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how it all unfolds, but you know, you're going to be a senior this year. So it's going to be, so you're going to be on the other side of it with the rest of us watching it all unfold, you know, down the road, but you do have a new offensive coordinator. You do have a new position coach. Who's also the the passing game coordinator. So you're pretty excited about Mike Sanford and play Patterson. Yeah. Their schemes. Well, I can't really get into it, but the things they like to do, I just absolutely love. And they're, they're just cool dudes too. They're fun to be around. It's that's another fun part. Not that people didn't get along for, but our whole offensive staff just seems to be buddies and friends. And it's not like, uh, there's no, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure they're going to have disagreements, but there's not a lot of button heads. Everybody's seems to be working on the same page and having similar opinions to how we should do things and how we will do things. And I just feel, feel, I guess, welcomed by them because with the new staff coming in like that, and I know it's not a whole staff, but a whole new offensive staff. Sure. Uh, older guys can get overlooked and stuff. And they've given me the kind of reassurance, I guess, to be confident in them. And I have a lot of trust for the things that they're going to do. And so. Okay. Well, Clay Patterson seems to think pretty highly of, of you. Uh, this is a quote from him. Um, I'm very excited about Brady because he's basically a professional at this point going into his sixth year of eligibility. He talked about you being hungry for what he gets um, because you're a walk-on and everything like that, that you have that chip on your shoulder and everything like that. Looking at the the tight end room, last year there was like 11 bodies counting the walk-ons and five or six upperclassmen. And now it's you and a bunch of pups. So what is it like being the graduate senior in the room with a bunch of redshirt freshmen. It looks like, you know, there's lots of space in there that uh, in the lineup that wasn't there a year ago. Yes, sir. Absolutely. It's um, 
it's a very different dynamic. That's for sure. I've never really been a part of a room like this, but I take a lot of pride in it too, because I want to instill a lot of the things that have helped bring me some success. I want to instill some of those beliefs in the younger guys and instill some of the habits and the, the work ethic and the different things that I believe are integral to being a tight end. I want to instill that in those guys because after I'm gone, I don't want there to be any sort of drop off or anything in the level of play or in the study habits or in the film room. I want, I want it to remain neutral. Like I was saying earlier. So I don't, uh, I guess I just take a lot of pride in who they become and who they turn out to be. So um, it's a fun dynamic. Okay. Well, Cliff Patterson also said tight ends are a matchup problem if they have the right skill set. So, you know, being between the blocking and the receiving that you can uh, make it difficult for them to figure out what to do with you. And what are your goals? I know you're a team guy, obviously, being a team captain, a leader and everything like that. But do you have any personal goals for uh, the 2022 season in terms of what you want to accomplish or what you want to see uh, happen on the field for the tight ends and yourself? I do have a lot of personal goals. I have a lot of team goals. I've already goal set it a lot for those things. And we actually, as a team, have a goal setting process. So there's process goals. Those are the things that are technically out of your control if you actually get them. So, for example, a process goal for me, or process, a uh, outcome goal for me, outcome, that's what I meant to say. Outcome goal for me would be the John Mackey Award. Uh -huh. I would absolutely, that is a goal for me. I'd like to do that. I'd like to be a first-team all-conference tight end in the Pac-12, or all-American tight end even. But at the end of the day, that decision's out of my hands. I can't control how much I'm getting the ball necessarily. I can't control. There's a lot of things I can't control that go into that. So that's what makes that an outcome goal. And then there's performance goals. So that could be things like never missing a rep in the team run, being perfect and doing so-and-so. I'm trying to think of more of my performance goals. Um, I wanted to be able to hit 20 reps on the 225 challenge, a bunch of different things like that. I got a whole ton of performance goals and then so there's the outcome there's the performance and then there's the process goals those are the things that are important that are going to help you get to like the Mackey All-American Pac-12 champs those kind of goals right. um, so like some of those for me would be uh, eight hours of sleep every night staying in my bible every day I think that's integral to my success because I think I'd go crazy if I wasn't let's see what are some of the others hydrating correctly my effort in the weight room, my work ethic on the practice field, things like that. So I do have a lot of goals, and I have a lot of goals for our team. I think some of the most important would be back 12 champs, which might seem far-fetched, but what's the point of a goal if you aren't going to make it a little lofty, right? Right. And then the Mackey All-American, uh, the Burlsworth Award has been one of my goals since I was a freshman. For the walk-on. Yes, sir. That's a... Best walk-on career in the nation. Right. So, and also, a side note, my dad played at Arkansas in the early 90s, just prior to Brandon Burlesworth. So, he was a household name to me. So, that would be absolutely unbelievable if I could pull that off. 
that's probably my biggest goal personally. Excellent. Okay. Well, yeah, it'd be a good cumulative career goal or achievement award. Your last spring practice, I'll leave it with this. Is it weird getting ready for the last set of spring practices? Are you excited about the last set of spring practice? Or is it just something that uh, since you've done it so many times um, that you're not really looking forward to it, just something to get through? Oh, it's definitely not just something to get through. I'm looking forward to it. I think, um, well, first off, having a new offensive staff, we get to run some new things, and that's exciting. But the biggest thing I'm looking forward to is the contribution I can make, kind of like I was talking about just a minute ago, with the young guys in the tight end room, be able to coach them, help them on the field. Because, I mean, being last spring ball, I didn't get to participate a lot. Then in the fall, you don't get to help guys very much because you're out there trying to make it happen so that you can perform on Saturday. Right. In this spring, I just get a chance to to pour into those guys, pour into the other tight ends, pour into our quarterbacks who there's – we have b that started all last year and then um, all the new guys and JT coming back off a knee injury, just pour into those guys, be all the help that I can to them. And just bringing all these young dudes along because, I mean, we're a pretty young team, so I'm excited to pour into everybody and just be the best leader I can. Okay. Well, we'll – We'll leave it at that. We'll wish you luck for your personal success and for the team's success. And hopefully if you get the recognition as the best interview, as uh, anybody listening to this podcast would know that you deserve to get the uh, recognition for the best interview, that they actually give you a piece of paper or something that actually says that. So you can work hard. That could be one of your personal goals is to uh, be repeat uh, champion of the interview room. So, <laughs> so thank you for your time and uh and go bust. Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate you having me on. Go bust. Thanks for listening. This episode and this series of interviews would not have been possible without your kind contributions to the See You at the Game NIL campaign. So thanks to all of you for supporting your CU student athletes. The interviews are going well, and I look forward to meeting and interviewing more CU student-athletes in the coming days. I hope that you are subscribing to the podcast so that you won't miss any of the upcoming interviews. Plus, as a program note, we will be doing an offensive spring practice preview in the coming weeks, followed by a defensive and special teams podcast preview. So Brad and Neil will be back with me shortly. So... Until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs! Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to See you at the game at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time, when we will again see you at the game.